CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is Friday, and that means it is time for our Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Here's what's coming up. Smoke them if you got them. Carter is looking at an under-the-radar consumer staples play that could light up soon. Then, Tony continues the under-the-radar theme, but on a very opposite tack, with a healthcare giant that could get overshadowed next week. Finally, recovering from the widely held wipeout that has been Netflix, Mike Co. crafts a sequel that should be better than the original. It's time to risk less to make more. Options Action starts right now. Let's get right to it. We're kicking things off with a smoking hot stock, a twist on the consumer staple sector. A staple for some, shares of Philip Morris starting the year strong, up nearly 9%. And Carter and Mike are laying out a way to play the name if you think this tobacco stock is going to burn higher. Carter, what are you looking at? Smoking, burn higher. We got it all here. So let's just go right to the charts. Uh, again, the charts will be similar, but different annotations. The first one, these are weekly bars. It puts in context the high almost five years ago, 2017, up there at 120 plus. So one way to draw the lines is we have broken the downtrend. Next chart. Is it a head and shoulders bottom, which is another way to characterize a reversal formation? It is. Look at the next chart. Is it a cup and handle? It doesn't matter what you call it. These sequencing are some of the most time-tested in markets. Look at the next chart, same time frame. What we have here is basically a very symmetrical, orderly, bottoming out process, and the presumption is the stock can return to or close to its all-time high. So Philip Morris closed today at, um, well, uh, where did it close? Actually, I'm not remembering, but uh, the all-time high was 123, and I think it went out today, 103, 104. Uh, I think you've got upside. A final uh, slide is a table, and this is important. This is two-month performance. Relative performance is one of the most important factors in investing. Look at Philip Morris, the past two months, up 16, almost 70%. By contradistinction, Mondelez up only 10. Proctor up only nine. Colgate up only seven, eight. And the whole sector, XLP, consumer staples, up only 5.5. Acting well at an important level. Looks good. 103 and a half was the exact close, so you're pretty much on the money, Carter. Mike, what's the trade off of this? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Tobacco companies used to be a core holding for many investors for, for a very long time, uh, sort of a staple, if you will. This is a sector that, probably unsurprising to most viewers, is trading at a discount to the market. Um, Philip Morris International is trading at a slight premium to the group, but still much cheaper overall at about 16 times earnings. This is also a stock that doesn't tend to move that violently. And sort of keeping with the investment theme idea here, I think one of the things that people could look to do is sell a cash-covered put. And selling a cash-covered put is essentially an alternative to buying the stock or doing a buy-right, where you buy the stock and sell an upside call. The idea here is that this will generate even a standstill rate of return. If the stock declines, you will own it at a discount 
to the current price. And of course, because the stock, you'll have a profitable trade whether the stock sits right here or if it rises, and even if it declines slightly, you have a higher probability of profit than if you simply bought the stock at the 103.52 uh, closing price that you just referenced. So I was looking out to March, the 100 strike puts, those were trading at about $2.65 or so when I was looking at this earlier today. So you would sell that put, collect $2.66, it turns out, per share if you sold that. And of course, if the stock declines to that 100 strike or below at expiration, you could have the stock put to you, so you'll end up buying the shares there. But of course, net of the premium you collected you're actually essentially paying $97.34 per share. That's about a 6% uh, decline from the current stock price uh, if you are to own it. Now, on a standstill basis, these expire 49 days from now, and the math is easy because $2.66 over that $100 strike price is a yield of 2.66%. Annualized, that's almost 20%. And that actually is a little bit better than you might expect to get in staple stocks. Uh, one quick point I would make on a fundamental uh, take here is that because they have a little bit more international exposure, uh, dollar strength uh, could turn into a headwind, which had historically been a, a tailwind. And you might see that, of course, if we see rising rates here, but not internationally, then you could see some currency swings. But uh, this is a way that you can essentially engage in an investment strategy. And if you do have the stock put to you, then you can sell some calls against it to essentially keep it going uh, after expiration. Yeah. Tony, what's your take on this trade? Yeah, so while the tobacco industry generally doesn't align with our investment thesis, I do think that you have a case here with Philip Morris where both technical, fundamental, and even from a volatility perspective aligns really well with the trade structure that Mike has set up. If you look at the chart itself, during this weakness we've seen here over the past month, Philip Morris broke out above $100 and so far has held that level. And it really speaks to the defensive nature of this particular stock. And just to quantify that outperformance that Carter was referring to, Philip Morris has outperformed the sector by 11% over the past two months, and it's outperformed the market by almost double that. So it really speaks to that outperformance metric. And then if you look at the fundamentals here, it's trading at a fairly substantial discount to its historical valuations at 15 times next year's earnings. And you add to the, on top of that the 5% dividend yield currently, I think this really speaks to a fairly strong balance sheet for this company. So and then you factor into the high elevated implied volatility. The IV rank currently stands at 57%. So everything from my perspective lines up really well for selling a cash secured put that Mike, Mike's using. And the amount of premium he's collecting is a fair amount. It is a relatively expensive stock. Not everyone necessarily has $9,700 to sell one contract of this. So the one thing I will say for investors who want to take into this trade, you might want to consider buying perhaps a 95 or 92 and a half put. It does reduce the amount of premium that you collect, but allows you to take a very similar trade structure with just a few hundred dollars worth of risk. Carter, final word on this trade, and I'm curious to get your take on what Mike brought up in terms of some of the other factors that could impact how this stock trades, rising dollar, rising rates, uh, and, and how you see that factoring in. Yeah, it's all in there, right? And that's the point of charts, that that is all considered. Um, so many participants weighing those factors and coming to a judgment. I yeah. think one of the key things, though, is this, that it, it its yield is important here. Almost 5%, 4.8, uh, pays a $5 dividend, projected to earn $7 in the next 18 months. Uh, that's pretty juicy in this kind of environment. Yeah. 
From Morris to Merck, possibly lost amid the continued tech focus next week. Uh, we're gearing up for this pharma stock to also deliver earnings on Thursday. Shares are trying to recover from a rough couple months. So Tony's putting on his lab coat, laying out a way to play the name ahead of its report. So Tony, take it away. Uh, yeah, Melissa, I think amongst the tech names next week, I want to take a little bit off the beaten path here with Merck, because if you take a look at the chart here, I think the best way to describe the chart that we've seen over the past two years where it's been range bound between roughly $70 and $80 is really uninspiring. And then if you look at the relative chart of Merck's to its sector, it's not surprising to see that this stock has underperformed its sector over the past two years. But over the past few months, what we've seen is a bit of a bottoming formation called a double bottom. And that's since we've seen that double bottom formation, Merck's has outperformed its sector by 16% over the past two weeks. And that type of relative strength is usually a good clue going into earnings that is uh, slated next week. And if you look at the business itself, Merck is expected to earn nearly double what it earned in 2019 next year. So when it's trading at just shy of 12 times next year's earnings, I think that it really speaks to a fundamentally sound story for Merck's going into earnings next week. And if you look at the options market right now, it's implying about a 4% move that the market is expecting versus the 3.1% we've seen over the past eight quarters. So the implied volatility on these options are quite, quite elevated. So to take advantage of that elevated volatility, what I'm trying to do is going out to March, I'm selling the 80 by 75 put vertical here. Here I'm collecting about $1.81 as of earlier today which is just about 37% of the width, taking a conservative approach that Merck's will trade higher here over the next month after earnings. Mike, what is your take on this trade? Yeah, so it's interesting because this is what Tony was talking about, you know, versus, say, a cash-covered put. So when you sell a cash-covered put, which is similar to a buy right, essentially the amount of capital you should mentally be prepared to commit to the trade is equivalent to actually purchasing the stock. When you sell a credit put spread the way Tony is doing it here, that's a very, very different trade because, of course, the risk is limited on a per share basis to the distance between the strikes less the amount of premium that you're actually collecting. So the total amount of risk that you're taking to make a bullish bet on Merck here is, you know, just $3 a share or thereabouts. Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that people should rush out and try to lever the trades up by doing that many more of them. But this is obviously a trade that Similar to selling a cash-covered put, three things can happen. The stock can rise, stay where it is, or fall. And two of those are going to provide a good outcome for the investor. So I do like the structure going into earnings. Carter, do you like this stock in particular? Do you like the sector overall? Well, uh, the double bottom is going to be key, and Tony cited that. So when you have a formation like that, you want it to play out, you need it to play out. But let me make a statement that is incontrovertible. That relative performance chart not only were those two-year lows, they're five-year relative lows, 10-year relative lows, 20-year, all-time relative lows to the healthcare sector Merck is making basically in the last month. Um, perhaps this is finally the bottom, but man, it's awfully tentative. Okay. Sounds like a little bit of caution from Carter, Tony. <laughs> um, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, after last week's Netflix and panic, Mike Co. is looking at a way to get your chill back. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It's been a little over a week since Netflix's quarterly results sent the stock crashing. It is now down more than 25% since then. And if you're still keen on binging money heists and want a way to play the name, Mike Co. has got a trade made for you. Mike, it is your call to action. Take it away. Yeah, so, you know, this is an interesting case, Netflix, because, of course, this has been one of the market's darlings and leaders for a long time part of the famed FANG acronym. And of course, it's kind of hard to imagine why right after earnings, we weren't taking a look at this maybe last week on Friday. But one of the reasons, if you watch Fast Money or if you've been watching Options Action, you probably heard us say the three-day rule once or twice. That means that when you have a really shocking outcome, like we did after earnings and the stock dropped so precipitously, oftentimes you want to give the market a couple of days to kind of sort out and digest what it's seen. Well, we've had the time to do that now. And one of the things that I have observed is that it doesn't look, number one, like Netflix is going to recover its mojo anytime soon. But the other thing is, it seems like this has been a complete reset. Instead of seeing it plummet and then seeing some follow through over the following days, what we actually saw after that first one day decline, the stock has only moved about 3%, 3 or 4% since that time. It seems like it has found a new level. And I think one of the things that people can do is then try to find a way to profit from this new level. And what we were looking at here was an iron condor. Now, if you're using an iron condor, essentially what you're doing is you're selling two credit spreads. So number one, you have to have a range-bound thesis. You believe that the stock is not going to go significantly higher or lower. And presumably, some catalyst has come and gone, and you don't see another one between now and the end of your trade date. The second thing is, by using an iron condor, you're limiting your risk to the distance between the strikes, less the total amount of premium that you collect on the trade. And the other thing, of course, is that because the stock can go mildly higher, mildly lower, or stay where it is, you have a probability of profit that is greater than 50-50. I was looking only to the February 18th expiration, regular way expiration, because you usually, when you're doing credit spreads, want to keep that expiration short if you can. The 330, 350, 420, 440 iron condor. Put simply, I'm selling the 350, 330 put spread and selling the 420, 440 call spread. Net net, I would be collecting close to five and a half dollars to do that. My profit range is going to be between 345 on the downside, 425 on the upside. Now, I just wanted to add one other quick thing too, because some folks who are watching this might be thinking, well, that's fine, except that I already owned Netflix before all of this happened. How can I do something to try to fix my trade? Now, we hear this a lot, and there is no way that the options market can magically deposit money into your account that was lost due to a bad trade. But there are things we can do to enhance our near upside in the case that over a somewhat near-dated period of time, the stock does recover a little bit. So if you did happen to own the stock through earnings, and I realize that was probably a relatively painful situation, one of the things you can do is overlay a one by two call spread against your long position. I was looking out to March in this case, the March 425, 450 call spread. You'd buy one 425 call, sell two of the 450s against it. You're actually going to lay out essentially no premium to do this. And what's going to happen is 
if the stock does by March expiration somehow get above that 425 level, which by the way, you'll notice is also close to the break even for that February trade, then you'll actually double the gains between that 425 and 450 strike price. And you know this is the situation where I think regaining the levels that we saw right before earnings anytime soon is, is highly unlikely. Yeah, options can do a lot, but it's, it's not alchemy here. Uh, Carter, what levels are you looking at? Right. I've got two charts, but before we look at them, I think this is the most important thing. On the day that it, a stock drops in gaps, it's almost invariably news, right? FDA approval or no approval, restate your accountings, whatever it might be. Uh, Netflix, of course, was news related. When you drop three and five, six, even 10%, it's usually not enough to price in the problem. But when you have a 20% drop, and you trade 60 million shares versus average daily volume of four or five, you have effectively put the stock where it belongs. So when I say put the stock, what I mean is you have thousands of man hours, hundreds of thousands of man hours going into it. This team spent two hours. This team of analysts, 14 analysts, spent an hour each globally. And so the stock has been re-rated to quote where it belongs. And it's an instance where it's not likely now to go much higher or lower. It's like to become a fallow asset. And um, uh, that's an important thing to note. The second chart here, if you will, and this is important, look where it stopped, right on the trend line. Does it always work that nicely? No, but it did. Hmm. A fallow asset. I, I always feel like that word is, has so, so much meaning in it. Tony, what's your take on, on either the fix my trade part of it or the iron condor part of it? Uh, yeah, so last week we covered Iron Condors with our XLF trade. So I do think from a timing perspective, Netflix is one of the prime examples of a short volatility, directionally neutral trade that the Iron Condor provides. Now, personally, I think that the 365 level, the intraday lows from the last few days, is likely going to hold. So for me, I think I would like to get a little bit more aggressive. And this is really where, as a trader, you have a lot of selection with this Iron Condor. You can play around with it. I would use the 375, 355 put vertical, so substantially higher downs, uh, a put vertical than Mike, I'm going to reduce my probability of profit significantly compared to Mike's trade. But the risk to reward ratio on my trade for every $1 I can potentially make, I'm only risking about a dollar and a half versus the nearly $3 that Mike's trade is risking. So you have a lot of choices depending on what your views are from a technical perspective. I think that 365 level will hold. So I would, I would adjust my iron condor a little bit. And to the repair trade, as you said, there's no magic bullet here with respect to these repair trades. Be realistic as to what you can get out of this. The best thing what you're going to do is reduce the pain a little. It's certainly not going to get yourself back to break even at any point. So at some point you might consider, is your capital better used somewhere else? Yeah, there's an opportunity cost to keeping uh, capital tied up in one trade. Up next, we are taking a look back on an ARK ETF trade from two weeks ago. Find out how it turned out. Much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Two weeks ago, Carter and Mike believed selling in the tech rack poster child ARK Innovation Fund wasn't over. The big problem that you have here is that Kathy Wood's strategy of sort of buying the highest uh, growing, highest multiple, most exciting technology companies is a risky strategy in a market environment when you begin to see a focus on sort of real earnings and things like that. And I believe that that's essentially the market that we find ourselves in. I was looking at a put diagonal, specifically buying the May 78 puts and then selling much nearer dated February 18th, 64 spot two, two strike puts against it. 
And that put diagonal worked well as ARC continued to slide diagonally down to the right. So, Mike, what do you do now? Yeah, I mean, the trade essentially is targeting that short strike. Now, one could have put this on and already taken about 50% profits on the max risk if you closed it at the end of the day today. Uh, I don't necessarily think all the damage is done, though. I don't think that holding on to a deeply in-the-money put, though, is the best way to play it. So I might actually roll the long one down from the 78s down to the 68s. When I was looking at that, you could take uh, almost all of the premium that was put into the trade initially off the table if you did, and you would still have exposure to the downside should ARK's woes continue. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, what is a good course of action on a 418, 420, 440, 442 iron condor in SPY, the S&P 500 ETF, if it's a losing trade at expiration? Tony, any ideas here? So one of the things you can do with an iron condor is on the untested side, which is a lower put spread here, is you can move that up to the upper strike and turn that effectively into an iron butterfly as you approach expiration to try to collect more premium. But if you approach expiration and it's still a loser, simply cut it out so that you don't end up long or short the stock on Monday. All right. Our next viewer is taking a look at small caps. Can the IWM Russell 2000 ETF bounce before a breakdown to 190 a share at close at 195 and change today? So, Carter, what do you say? Well, what's interesting, it's low today at 180.09. Obviously, it did bounce, and it's well above 190. We closed, as you said, at 195. Do we get back to 190? Eventually, yes. And it's done. Small caps have done what you'd expect. Their peak to trough decline, 23% down versus the S&P only 12. Uh, there's risk here. All right. It is time for the final call. Carter, back over to you for it. An offensive long that's defensive. Philip Morris. Tony. I see a slow limitation into Merck, sell and put vertical into earnings next week. Mike Coe. Cash covered puts are an investment strategy that are a good replacement for a buy right. I think we ought to do that in Philip Morris International. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time for another show. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.